Thank you for joining us at the OT Corner with Mrs. K. Please note this podcast does not intend to offer medical advice or therapeutic treatment for any medical condition for either yourself or others. If you have any medical or rehabilitation concerns for yourself or your child, please contact your physician. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the OT Corner with Mrs. K, a school-based occupational therapist bringing you a series of interviews and information on childhood development for kids with all different abilities. So get ready, get set, let's go. I have had so many people comment on my developmental progression of grasp on a writing tool on TikTok. I've been using TikTok to put up short little videos of things that I use in treatment and about different forms of development. And it's amazing how many people comment on the grasp videos. It's interesting. Uh, And um, people ask me questions. They've been asking great questions like, how do I teach my child to hold a marker or a crayon? And how do you fix an immature grasp? So I decided on TikTok, I was going to put up two, three minute TikToks that answered these questions as the the best I could in that short amount of time and soon realize you can't answer those questions in three minutes. So, well, here you go. This is the episode on grasp development. So I'm just going to start um, where grasp develops and where it starts, where grasp development starts. And really grasp starts at a a very young age, like at um, infancy, (laughs) really. And um, it progresses, it grasp progresses proximately and and moves distally on in the arm. And basically proximally means that it's at the shoulder of the arm and then progresses distally, which means at the hand of the arm. So shoulder to arm to hand, right? That's how uh, grasp develops. And infants have, they're born with what are called primitive reflexes. I could go into a whole other episode about primitive reflexes, but that's for another time. Um, But primitive reflexes originate at the brainstem. They do not require any thought, hence the word reflex, right? They are important for the survival of an infant, but it's also important to understand that these primitive reflexes end up integrating or disappearing at some point in a child's development. So for grasp development, the primitive reflex um, is called the palmer reflex or the grasp reflex. This is where we first see a child grasp, right? Um, Everybody that has been in, you know, that has met an infant for the first time may put their finger into the palm of that infant's hand and that infant will automatically grasp the finger. That's the palmer or grasp reflex. That was, there was no, no volitional thought for that child to grasp your hand. It was just a reflex, but I want to bring this up. The most important part of this development, this is where grasp and fine motor starts is when that child actually volitionally unfists the hand or lets go of the grasp. That is the really the official start of fine motor development. So I'm going to go through some grasp progressions. Um, but before I do that, I do want to bring up that what is really important for grasp development 
and upper extremity strength and control. And you really want to get kids in tummy time, supervised tummy time. And the reason you want to do this is because kids will start pushing up through their hands and their arms to bring their heads up. And basically, this is where we start to see them coming up onto all fours and then eventually crawling. And the reason it's important for kids to crawl is because we are going for grasp specifically, I'm talking more about grasp, is we want to see the development of the palmar arches. And palmar arches are gonna be really important for fine motor development. So before I even go into the grasp progression, I wanted to make that point. But progressing through the different grasps in the different um, ages that you'll see these grasps. And these are all generalizations. I always wanna say that these are just averages. Kids of all different abilities will develop at all different rates. The one thing to keep in mind is that they are progressing through these stages. That's, that's something to keep in mind. So at about three to five months, we start to see children grasping with what is called the ulnar palmar grasp. Pretty fancy name. But basically, you will see them grab things from the pinky side of their hand to hold on to a block or toy. And they'll also have that block or toy up against the palm of the hand. Then at about five to six months comes a more mature palmer grasp. And that block or toy will be tucked more in the palm with all the fingers around it. So all the fingers will be around it. And that object is in the center, more in the center of the hand. At about six to nine months old, a child holds that block or toy with a radial palmer grasp, another fancy name, but that just means that the block is moving toward the thumb and the index finger. But that block or toy will still be tucked up against the palm. At about 10 to 18 months old, the child will then start to move that block or toy away from the palm and develop an immature version of a pincer grasp. So imagine if you can, the child holding the block with the first three fingers of the hand. So that would be the thumb, the index finger and the middle finger. And then this pincer grasp, it's called a pincer grasp, will become more precise and more mature as the child begins to explore different objects in, its, in their environment. And they'll hold objects that are smaller and smaller. And then by the time they're about 18 to 24 months old, we will see them hold a very small bead with the thumb and the index finger only of the hand. And the rest of the fingers are usually pressed up against the hand. Now that was a really quick rundown. And without visuals, it's really hard to see. And I'm gonna be linking some um, resources that you can look up what these, these grasps look like, what I just talked about. But this is fine motor development in action. And kids will continue to progress in the area of coordination and strength. I wanna bring up at this point, reasons a child may not develop through these grasp patterns um, at this young age. Now, sometimes children are born with disabilities. They may have some neurological issues or sensory processing issues, and they may progress through these milestones slower. Remember that primitive reflex I told you about, um, the grasp reflex or the palmar reflex? Um, well, if that doesn't disappear, a child may never unfist or release. And there's all different reasons that the primitive reflex may not integrate. 
and I'm not going to go into that here, but um, that will be a barrier in the fine motor development, right? If you can't unfist or release, then you're not going to be able to grab onto anything else. There's also um, some neurological conditions that will cause um, what we call high tone or hypertonicity or low tone or hypotonicity. And tone is just um, basically uh, the best way I can describe it is I have a, a coworker that has the, um, she, it's uh, an analogy that she uses and it's, it's an excellent way to, to think of tone. Tone is not strength, um, but she uses the lights on a dimmer switch analogy. Okay, so, you know, you have those lights that have dimmer switch overhead lights in your house. So if a light is set on the low setting, it's not getting a, a full optimum um, illumination because it's set very low. That would be that would be compared to low tone. So you would have like it would be a dim light because there's not as much electricity or um, uh, information going to that light to make it brighter. Um, and then if you have that dimmer switch all the way up and it's really bright in the room, um, that means it's getting too much illumination, and that would be. Uh, comparable to hypertonicity or high tone. So if the dimmer switch is set right in the middle and you're getting that optimum illumination in the room, and that would be comparable compared to normal tone. So tone can definitely get in the way of fine motor development. And you can have mixed tone too. You can have <laughs> hypertonicity and low tone. So there's there's it, it can get very complicated, but that's just a very simple breakdown of how to explain tone. Um, and then you can also have some, a kid might have sensory processing issues, which means that they may not, they may be adverse to touching certain textures. Um, therefore, they are not going to explore their environment. They're not going to practice grasping different to toys. Um, and that can be a problem as well. Um, so let's go back. Um, like I said before, even though the child has a pincer grasp, um, that's not the end all be all, right? They, they're going to continue their fine motor coordination development. And I also want to point out that during this fine motor development, children are also using their vision to explore and integrate their vision skills with their motor skills or fine motor skills. And we call this visual motor integration. So they're using their arms and their hands with vision to grasp and manipulate objects. Now, when I assess kiddos, in priests, when they're coming into preschool, I usually, the two biggest areas in preschool that I look at are um, grasp and visual motor integration. So I'm going to go into that a little bit, the grasping and manipulating of a writing tool. Now I have a great TikTok that quickly goes through these typical developmental progressions of grasp on a writing tool. And you can check it out at the OT corner with Mrs. K on TikTok. Um, and I also put up a TikTok that mimics some of the different types of functional, I say functional grasp that I've seen in adults, them, and they got in a lot of comments as well. Um, people love to compare themselves to those pictures. And I remember a while ago, there was a big thing about Taylor Swift and how she holds, Swift, I'm sorry, and how she holds a pen. And, and, you know, she positions the pen between her index finger and her middle finger. And 
quite honestly, it's pretty functional. And she has probably been doing this ever since she first picked up a crayon. And I want to stress that I generally do not provide any intervention to modified grasps on a pen or pencil because if it doesn't cause any pain or you know injury to the hand or fatigue and their handwriting is legible, there's really no reason to change or you know that or try to change that grasp. But what is a typical developmental progression of grasp on the, the writing tool? Well, at about 12 to 18 months, we will see um, then pick up a marker with a, it's called a palmer supinated grasp. So the writing tool is up against the palm and all the fingers are wrapped around it as if the kid is holding onto the chains of a swing set. All right, that's how they're holding onto the marker. Between two and three years old, we see what's called a digital pronated grasp. So this means the thumb and the fingers are all pointed toward the paper. Think of a kid um, if they had like an animal puppet on their hand and they were it was an alligator and the alligator is holding the crayon or marker in their mouth. That is what's called a digital pronated grasp. Then at about three and four years old, we'll see the static typical tripod grasp. And that basically means that the first three or four fingers pinching the bottom of the marker or the of the crayon. And like I said, if, you know, sometimes they'll hold it with four fingers, sometimes three fingers, really, if it's functional, I don't really mess around with the grasp at this age. If it's, if it's functional and, and they have a modified grasp, I usually let it go. Um, between four and six years old, you will start to see a more dynamic tripod grasp. And that just means that the fingers are moving separately from the hand. They're, you're getting a you're getting more stabilization from the forearm and the upper extra, you know, upper part of the arm, and the hand and the wrist and the fingers are moving separately. So um, they're being they're being stabilized by the the stabilization muscles in the arm to be more refined and, and develop more refined movement. I mentioned briefly before why grasping might develop and why children may have immature grasps or less ideal grasps. Now the dynamic tripod grasp is ideal because it is an efficient grasp, um, but children learn through imitating and they watch adults use pens and markers and they watch their classmates and friends and siblings using markers. And a lot of times they end up imitating what they see. So, you know, you might see them with a different types of grasp and it might be because of what they saw. They're also taking the path of least resistance. So if it is more difficult to maintain a more mature grasp, they will revert back to what is easier. So that's when you start to see them move back to those in more immature grasps. And kids will switch back and forth from hand to hand when they do not have the strength or coordination at an early age. Um, I don't really get too wrapped around the axle about um, hand preference in preschool, even kindergarten. First grade, I start to really start wondering if they're still switching. But um, here are some, I'm just going to go down through a couple, a list of um, in the reasons I see immature grasps in children and even adults. So the first one I wanted to bring up was sensory processing issues. And like I said earlier, kids may not want to explore how to use a marker or crayon if they do not like the way it feels in their hands. 
They may also not like the way it sounds against the paper. And yes, that is a thing and not an unusual thing. I once had a third grader who wrote so light with his pencil, it affected the legibility of his handwriting and the control he had over the writing tool. Um, and when I asked him why he wrote so light, I'm like, why are you writing so light? And he replied that he cannot stand the way a pencil sounds on the paper. So I switched him to erasable pens. And I talked to his teachers and he was allowed to use these in his math class as well and all writing assignments. And just that small change made his legibility improve, his, the strength in his hand improved. And he had a lot more confidence in his ability to complete written assignments. So he actually started writing more. Um, number two, again, mentioning that tone. Um, again, if you have a child that has lower tone in their hand, you might see them what I call choking up on the, the writing tool or holding that writing tool really tightly, or they may even position it in their hand kind of weird. Um, and these are just compensatory strategies that they start to develop in order to control that that writing tool a little bit better. A child may be weak. And the uh, third thing is strength, um, weakness in hands, um, weakness in the arms, weakness in the core will cause a child to continue using a more immature grasp. Um, and it'll also affect the ability of stabilizing their arm to write. So if they are um, not strong in their stabilization muscles in their arm or in their core, uh, you might see some immature grasps in their hand. Okay, number four, deformities. Um, child may be born with, you know, deformities that are subtle to obvious that will cause them to hold a marker or crayon differently. And then the final one is developmental delays. Children that are born with developmental delays may also demonstrate more immature grasps for a longer period of time, or they may just use that immature grasp um, for handwriting throughout their childhood and into adulthood. And um, it may be functional still. They may be able to write with that immature grasp. And like I said, as long as it doesn't hurt, as long as it's not causing any pain or fatigue, um, if it's functional, you know, they can continue to use it. It's not a, it's not a big deal. So what do you do about immature grasps, right? Well, if it's a big concern or you suspect something is really wrong, always start with your child's pediatrician. I'm an occupational therapist and I treat kiddos in the school, but I go through a very methodical process to get my intervention plan together. And it's very individualized. Um, so always start with the pediatrician, uh, but there are some simple activities that you can do with children of all different abilities um, that kids of all different walks of life will benefit from. And the first one really is gross motor development, uh, allowing kids to move. Um, fine motor starts with gross motor. It just does. Uh, remember how I said that fine motor development starts proximally or close to the shoulder and core and progresses down to the distal part of the arm or the hands and fingers. Well, kiddos need to get out there and move and they need to do, you need at a very early age, they need supervised tummy time, like I mentioned before, and they need to get on that belly. Um, and really it's so important to get kids moving um, and progressing through these um, gross motor developmental milestones. Um, when my girls were little, uh, 
I started them out on their tummy. We did, I had them on their tummy a lot. Um, I had a lot of developmental toys around for the kids. Um, and I just always worked with them. They were, they were never in a carrier. Uh, and that's really important. Kids need to get out. They need to visually scan their environment. They need to explore their environment. And this is really where fine motor development and that in, in um, establishing a mature grasp on writing tools eventually when they get older happens. Um, number two, sensory play, finger paints, water play, sand play, get them involved in all different types of textures. Um, as always, make sure that it's not toxic <laughs> and supervised, you know, because you don't want kids shoving things in their mouth that, are, <laughs> that might not, might be a choking hazard, but it's a great way to get them desensitized to different types of textures. They're going to be more willing to hold different types of materials. And not only that, sensory play increases the strength in the arms and the hands as well. Um, number three, vertical surface surfaces. Oh, I'm a big fan of this. This is my favorite, big time favorite. I love easels. I love pasting things up on the wall and kids making murals. Um, when I was, when I had my kids, we had magnets on the refrigerator. We had an easel on the back porch. Um, you know, the vertical surface is going to really uh, strengthen those stabilization muscles in the shoulder. They're going to also um, really encourage what we call wrist extension, which is going to just naturally have the kids flex their fingers and start to develop a functional grasp on a writing tool. Um, so Vertical surfaces are great. I love them. They should always be around the house with <laughs> a little one around. Um, number four, play with different types of tools such as tongs and scooping utensils, shape sorters, Legos. These are all working on visual motor integration and learning how to use different tools. Um, just, and you can, you don't have to spend a ton of money on developmental toys. If you have a pair of tongs in your kitchen or pots and pans that a kid can bang on with a wooden spoon, these are all wonderful activities uh, for your kids for developing grasp and developing um, upper body, you know, upper body strength for those stabilization muscles. So that's just a quick rundown on grasp, a little bit longer than my three minute stint that I put up on TikTok. Um, but I will have some references down in the show notes today uh, to give you some idea of what some of this stuff looks like. And as always, if you ever have any questions, you can always email me at jennifer at the otcorner.com. And you can always join me um, at Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the OT Corner with Mrs. K. Feel free to join the OT Corner community by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you have a topic you want to hear about, or if you would like to come on the show, feel free to contact Jennifer at theotcorner.com. We would love to hear from you. All information from the show is listed in the episode notes. We know you can listen to anyone, so we appreciate you stopping by. Until next time, thanks again.
Thank you for joining us at the OT Corner with Mrs. K. Please note this podcast does not intend to offer medical advice or therapeutic treatment for any medical condition for either yourself or others. If you have any medical or rehabilitation concerns for yourself or your child, please contact your physician. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the OT Corner with Mrs. K, a school-based occupational therapist bringing you a series of interviews and information on childhood development for kids with all different abilities. So get ready, get set, let's go. (sighs) 